0: Well, it's been the cry of many a teenager or people experiencing a quarter life or even a midlife crisis. It's been sung about by the likes of Dusty Springfield, Dionne Warwick and Marsha Hines. And maybe you've experienced that too at times in your life. I just don't know what to do with myself. If that resonates with you, then today's time in God's Word will have something special for you. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity that we can spend time in your Word today. And we invite you to speak to us afresh. Lord, for passages that we've heard before, may they be re-enlivened. May they be um, something that quickens in us a, a rekindled passion for you And the people that you love, continue to do an amazing work in and through us. Even today we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So perhaps that's you today. You know, you just don't know what to do with yourself. Or maybe there's just too many options. You know, you've had this paralysis of analysis of trying to weigh up, what do I do? Do I do this? Do I do that? I'm so confused. I, I don't know what to do. Or perhaps you have so many different things that you need to do that you want to just step back, close the door, pull the curtains and climb back into bed. Well, my guess is that there are times that the disciples felt exactly the same way. Peter, frustrated with sitting around, twiddling his thumbs after Jesus uh, rose from the dead, doesn't know what to do with himself. So, he goes fishing and others join him. But over the next 40 days, after Jesus' resurrection and before his ascension, Jesus regularly catches up with his disciples to give them a clarifying call for their life. Their future. If you have your Bibles with you, then I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. So let's fill in a bit of the setting around Acts and its outworking in following Jesus. Dr. Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, also wrote Acts, and he was a mate of the Apostle Paul. And Luke also knew this guy called Theophanus. Now, Theophanus may have been in some sort of government role um, or he may have been a sponsor, someone that helped to pay for Luke to write this account, pay for the expenses of, of Luke writing the gospel and also the, the book of Acts. We're not quite sure, but what we do know is that Theophanus has a keen interest in reading more about the life of Jesus and helping the word to get out about the life of Jesus and what it means to follow Jesus. The other thing that we discover is that Luke enters into this story of following Jesus at a specific place and a specific time. All the events before this that took place are researched and checked by Luke. And we read about that in Luke chapter 1, verse 1. Then the sequel comes. For every good book, there needs to be a sequel, and the sequel comes, and that's Luke's book of Acts. Now, if we go partway through the book of Acts, into Acts chapter 16, verse 10 uh, 6 to 10, we actually read the space and the time when Luke joins with Paul and Silas. Next, Paul and Silas just the two of them, traveled through the area of Phygra and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north to the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went through to Mysia, to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with them, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we, Paul, Silas, and Luke, so we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. So we actually have a really clear point in which Luke joins this story. Everything before that was researched by Luke. Everything after that, a lot of the stuff that happens after that, Luke is there front and centre being a part of the outworking of the book of Acts. So it is in chapter 16, verse 10, that Luke joins the story in Acts. And at some point, he decides when he's experiencing this to document the life of Jesus and Jesus' call on people to follow him. So the Gospel of Luke, part one and Acts of the Holy Spirit, part two, our birth. For those that like reading journal articles or, um, you know, papers and that sort of stuff, um, thinking of you, Lynn, and I'm not sure whether you necessarily like it or not, but um, you have to do it. But um, there's like this executive summary at the start of a paper or an introduction to an essay or for lovers of cooking shows. It's like... This rich sauce or the caramelization that is like this flavor bomb packed full of essence and meaning. Well, that's what we get in the first few verses of Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through to 11. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles. Further instructions through the Holy Spirit. For Luke, there is an understanding that he has that the work of Jesus did not stop at Jesus' ascension. It was not Jesus did and taught, but what Jesus began to do, began to teach, and that the Holy Spirit, who was involved and empowered Jesus' ministry, that same Spirit of Jesus would be at work through Jesus' followers acts chapter one verses one to five in my first book i told you Theophanus, about everything that jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the holy spirit during the 40 days after he suffered and died he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways That he was actually alive so it took some time it developed over time and he talked to them about the kingdom of god once when he was eating with them he commanded them do not leave jerusalem until the father sends the gift he promised and as i told you before john baptized with water but in just a few days you will be baptized with the holy spirit Now, it may be helpful to remember that the Jerusalem world was still a bit of a scary place for Jesus' first followers, the disciples. Forty days earlier, mob mentality ruled. The Jewish religious leaders stirred up people to the point where Roman authorities carried out a crucifixion of Jesus. And it must have been tempting for these men of Galilee to want to take the four-day walk back from Jerusalem, back up to Capernaum and the Galilee area, and to kind of fly beneath the radar. Maybe start a discipling movement, but, but to do it away from Jerusalem, where you're less likely to cause a ruckus and get into trouble. But Jesus says, no, the festival of harvest is coming up a festival when heaps of people will be in Jerusalem. And it's important that you are here at that time. But all this talk of timing and of Jerusalem has some of the apostles thinking, maybe, well, maybe we will see a revolution, an uprising that will free Israel from the hands of the Roman occupation. The kingdom of God will be manifest on earth through the kingdom of Israel. So in verse six, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Jesus replied, The Father alone has set or has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, through Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. For the apostles, they're still thinking about this earthly rule and nationalistic pride. So Jesus has to once again clarify what he, what the kingdom of God is about. Not an us and them, but create a God at work through them, for, uh, through us or through you, for them. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, through Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Rather than a replacement of what Paul read earlier from Matthew 28, 16 to 20, we see Luke provide some clarifying emphasis of what is important to the, for the followers of Jesus to tell others about Jesus everywhere they go. In Jerusalem, the epicenter of the Jewish faith and the, nation, the nation's capital, Judea, to the borders of the Israelite territory, the borders of the um, Israelite people where they felt that that's where their territory was, the borders of the nation. To Samaria, to those who are more distant in culture, often of mixed race, mixed nationality. They may have had mixed parentage, one parent being Jewish, one parent being of Gentile parentage. They still had a connection with Yahweh God and they still look forward to the coming of the messiah and then to the ends of the earth maybe they thought initially the roman empire was the ends of the earth but as new lands are discovered there too you should go to take this message not to conquer but to see the good news of jesus communicated and people called to follow jesus there too Acts 1 verse 9 continues. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising through, uh, into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven but someday he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. With this, Luke sums up that this same Jesus who began the work of salvation, restoring broken relationships with creator God through a personal faith and trust in Jesus, this work that began with Jesus continues through the Holy Spirit in Jesus' followers and so that Jesus' followers are also called to tell others about Jesus everywhere that they go. And as new lands and as new languages are discovered, Jesus' followers are called to communicate Jesus' rescue plan to those that that they come in contact with. And Jesus promises to return again. The call of Jesus on his followers in Acts 1 verses 1 to 11 answers all the different questions of what to do with my life. It answers the question of who, what, when, where, why, and how. And if they're not sure what to do with themselves, Jesus gives his followers a clarifying call. Jesus' clarifying call helps them to know who you jesus clarifying call helps them to know what to be my witnesses jesus clarifying call helps them to know when starting in just a few days it's just around the corner it's almost there jesus clarifying call helps them to know where starting here right here And then ultimately going to the ends of the earth. Jesus' clarifying call helps to know why. Because Jesus wants them to tell other people about him. And Jesus' clarifying call helps to know how. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. For us today... The call, as Paul said earlier when he was reading about Matthew 28, the call remains in our life, on our life, for the remainder of our days until Jesus returns. We too, every last one of us, are also called by this same Jesus to this same call. If you've ever wondered what should I do with my life, then Jesus' clarifying call helps us to understand that, to communicate the message of Jesus in action and words to those around you, wherever you go. This may not mean you go overseas as a cross-cultural worker, but if you're looking at a career decision, if you're wondering, what should I do with my life, and I've got these two really good options, which one should I choose? then my encouragement would be choose the one that helps you to better communicate God's love for others. If you're travelling, then don't leave Jesus at home. Travel with Jesus and communicate God's good news wherever you go. You're going on a road trip? Take Jesus' love with you to those you meet with standing in a shopping line take the heart of jesus with you in your words and actions even when someone is slow in front of you even when someone cuts in in front of you before i wrap up this passage also reminds us of another thing don't wait a crisis. Often we, we wait until there's a crisis before we call out to God, what should I do? Jesus' first followers, their world was being turned upside down. They were retiring their fishing days. They were moving away from standing behind tax collecting booths. They were changing focus and they were stepping out of the shadows. And that Can be scary whenever you're going through a change in your life moving house whatever it might be in the world's eyes these men of galilee were from the back blocks and they held the status of what john west would reject but in a time of change a few key things were made a world of difference for them to help them to live the most amazing lives following jesus call They had a personal relationship with Jesus. More than just pages on a dusty book, they had a living, breathing relationship with Jesus. They regularly spent time with Jesus. They spoke with Jesus, but they also allowed Jesus to speak with them. It was a dynamic two-way relationship. It developed over time like a Polaroid camera where you pull out the film and when you first start to look at it, it's a blank piece and then there's this faded sort of thing that starts to emerge as an image and then it increases in its clarity and becomes crisp and clear. They had a clarifying call that developed with Jesus over time because they invested in their relationship with Jesus. They were local people, but God used them to have a global impact. Even John, in his old age and retirement, was still passionate about telling people about Jesus. And the same amazing Holy Spirit is it, that was at work in them is they ready to do amazing work in and through you, through me for the sake of the good news of Jesus. Let me pray. Jesus, as we reflect a little bit on your clarifying call on those that you had as your first followers, Lord, sometimes there's questions that remain. Sometimes there's still doubts that are are still there for us. The Lord, help us to continue to press in to our relationship with you, to continue to dialogue with you, not just to pray to you, but to be open to you speaking with us. May we leave space for you to speak, space for you to to hone and to clarify and to, to comfort and to heal and to restore, and to direct, and to guide. Holy Spirit, would you continue to empower us, to prompt us, to encourage us, to take those opportunities that you lay before us, as Anna said, these divine appointments, that we can step out in faith and share your love in action, but also in word in the way we speak to and talk to others about our love for you. Continue to do an amazing work in us and through us, not for our glory, but for your glory. Amen. So how might we respond today? Well, there's a couple of things that I'd encourage you to consider. If you want to pull out those response cards and those at home, feel free to use the chat function. Um, If you're listening to a recording, then feel free to, to message us as well through Facebook or wherever it might be. But can I encourage you to reflect on this? Ask God to help you to carry the good news of Jesus in word and actions wherever you go. Maybe it's something that you've been a bit hesitant about. Maybe you've been a bit reluctant to do that. Ask God to be at work in you in that space. Commit regularly. Commit regularly to spending time with Jesus to grow your relationship with him. You know, it, it can be hard, and I'm not saying that God doesn't come through for us, but we're relying on um, God to come through in the last minute rather than investing in our uh, relationship with Jesus by spending time with him regularly. So much better when we regularly spend time with Jesus then we have a better understanding of who he is and what he wants for us rather than just crying out, at a crisis point pray for opportunities to share your hope in jesus with others in word and action there's going to be some music played and as the music played one of those may stand out a little bit more for you i encourage you to write a prayer of response inviting god to be at work in and through you today thanks Stephen.